0: Good evening, everybody. Hi, I'm Bob Rivers. Welcome to another pop-up podcast. And tonight we have some special guests, and we're going to go where Bob Rivers and BJ Shea have never gone before. We're going to talk about um, something that we both love, and 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 it's tied into how we met, and also tied into how we competed with each other. And we bring on with us a special guest, Amy Ulan, who is a, a school teacher, and. She's much more than that. She's part of the Star Trek community. So she's a drama teacher who won the walk-on role in Star Trek Enterprise uh, that that I gave away. I shouldn't say I gave it away. We looked for the biggest Star Trek fan we could find on the Bob Rivers Show a few years ago. Let's welcome them both. We'll start with BJ Shea, host of Mornings on KISW Forever. How you doing, BJ?
1: I am doing very well and I am so happy we get to talk about one of my favorite subjects.
0: And I expect that you have a lot to say, uh, Amy Ulan. You know, was it 2004 when we were on that Star Trek episode, right?
2: Yes, you said a four year or a few years ago, and I'm like, uh, almost twenty. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
0: Um, you're a school teacher uh, by profession, and by the way, to me, all school teachers are angels. What grade were you teaching at that age?
2: At that time, I was primarily teaching sophomore English um, students. And then between then and now, I transitioned into career and technical education, um, focusing on computer science. And now I'm at the district level, um, integrating computer science grades K through 12.
0: Wow. So science is a huge part of even your, your pro job. Yes, okay. let's um, let's do this. Let's start with Amy because um, you're our special guest. Tell us your origin story of uh, becoming a Star uh, Star Trek fan, and what it is that drew you to this particular series, or which particular series, and uh, the characters and the philosophy.
2: Yeah, so I have been a fan for as long as I can remember. Um, I didn't, I was too young during the original run of the show, so I watched the original series in syndication, and I was like, you know, I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't, um, you know, call myself a fan like I became a fan. Uh, It really happened because of Shakespeare, as most things do in my life. (laughs) So uh, when I was in high school, I took a Shakespeare elective and we saw um, some of the John Barton um, like videos of uh, teaching Shakespeare, and Patrick Stewart was part of that. I had seen him play Claudius in Hamlet. And so when I, learned that the next generation was coming out with this British actor, Patrick Stewart, I was like, yes, I love him. And so I became a a diehard next gen um, fan. And uh, the rest is kind of history I'm almost I am almost a completionist I am finishing the original animated series and we've got four more episodes to go and then I will have seen every episode of Star Trek at least once
0: so a completionist I was wondering what that was it sounded like an alien species a completionist (laughs) is someone who's seen every single franchise Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's a lot, a lot to take it. In. And interesting that because of your demographic, you weren't part of the original show, but I assume you grew to appreciate Rodden, Roddenberry's vision. Vision. I'll tell you a little about me and not a lot, but I was the original show watcher between the ages of 10 and 13. I sat down and watched it with my dad and My dad and I didn't get along, but this show was all about, (laughs) this show was all about understanding each other's differences to me. So it actually had a therapeutic effect, which we'll get into uh, a little bit later. So, uh, and then BJ Shea, let's, let's give your, your introduction to Star Trek. You're almost my age, so you might've been there for the original series.
1: I was there at a very... A much younger age, I was. I, I was. I, I was about six uh, when it came on, and um, for the most part, like Amy, I watched it in reruns when it be, when it really became huge in reruns, and then they started doing all the conventions and everything. When I was in my teens, but I do have a very, very vivid memory of learning about racism from that one episode with Frank Gorshin and uh, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, um, and I remember having fights with my Bostonian family, which. Shocker! Boston was a, a relatively racist place, and uh, my family members didn't understand why I didn't share their opinions about racial issues. And I was because I just remember that episode. I go and I remember fighting with my father. Were well, you going to blow up the whole planet? Don't you understand, Dad? If we don't figure this out, the whole planet's going to burn. And he's like, "What is wrong with you?" That's <laughs> you know, what happened on the show, um, and that. That really was got the ball that got the ball rolling and that this show just grabbed me and educated me like great science fiction does.
0: From what I have determined, um, the vision of this one man, Gene Roddenberry, cannot be understated. What would both of you guys say to that?
1: Well, Amy, have you watched Center Seat, which is on Prime right now? And it was, I can think, released for the 55th anniversary. You know
2: what? I haven't. I have it recorded, but I have not watched
1: it. Uh. Yeah. If you watch that, it gives you a great history of Star Trek and the behind the scenes, the gossip. And it does really paint a little bit of a different picture of Gene Roddenberry. He definitely had a great vision but he wasn't the only one, Bob. And I think that's what irritates me when I talk to some of my friends who are not happy with the current people that are doing it, like for instance, Star Trek Discovery show i our Michelle Paradise, where they're just saying, this is what Gene would have wanted. And I'm like, well, first of all, there was a lot of things that Gene wanted, thank God never got to the screen. And second of all, actually, there's some really good stuff out there that happened because they said no to Gene. And, and I'm a huge fan of what Michelle has done with Star Trek discovery. So he did a great thing, introduced a wonderful franchise. I will always love the guy for that, but he wasn't the only one that had such an artistic and creative contribution to what this franchise has become. All
0: right. That's good to know. Let's zero in on what he did contribute though. Cause from my, uh, from my limited knowledge, um, The idea that um, we would look at our differences and get over them, the idea that there wouldn't be money in the future, the idea that education, you know, kind of a libtard socialist state, some people might say, Um, but the idea that humans would work together and, and, uh, you know, a lot of our problems would be solved, but we'd still be living in the Wild West with the struggle between good and evil in the universe. So that's my, you know, Gene Roddenberry good stuff. You guys are, you know, you guys are very into the -the behind-the-scenes minutia. Also, I've never met a hero who didn't fuck up in some amazing ways that I don't know about. What about, um, what about that stuff? I mean, every day when I walk into, this is how stupid I am. When I walk into a grocery store and the doors go, shh, You know, when I when I hold this up to check my heart rate and see if I'm in AFib and how much I walked yesterday, how many steps, all of this stuff. This is the tricorder to me. It's It's everything. So all of that was kind of visionary from the beginning. If I push back on that argument a little bit, right? That was him. Gene, I mean. Or not.
1: Yeah, he. You know, he, go ahead. He, look, dash, he did, dash my. Yeah, uh, he he did. <laughs> And Amy, feel free, you know, Amy, if you want to comment on that too, go right ahead. But he did, he did have the vision of what he thought would be a utopian future, especially with no conflict amongst human beings. The conflict came from the aliens, but his thing was, I don't want anybody who's human to conflict with other, have conflict with other humans. That was his big thing. Um, and you're, you're right, Bob. It was, his vision was really, a really great one. Uh, I can't take that away from him.
0: All right. Amy? Yeah.
2: Well, and... I mean, it's a long line of science fiction, right? Because science fiction writers have always pushed the envelope of of what is. And then we have these amazing engineers and computer scientists and um, scientists that come along and say, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to make it happen. And they make it happen.
0: And and. So much of what has happened seems to be envisioned in that world. Like if I look at other franchises, you know, like Star Wars, it's just basically a cartoon to me, you know, a good evil cartoon, very nice stuff. Well, uh, but I,
2: if- and I'll, I'll jump in on that because the, the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars, and I love both. I mean, you can see behind <laughs> me that I've got all the things, um, but, but. Star Wars is more of a space opera, and so it's really that that family relationship story of the Skywalker clan. Whereas Star Trek is definitely science fiction and the exploration, Um, and so so there's definitely a difference in those stories, and it doesn't make one better than the other, Um, but for me personally i have gone all in on on star trek because i do you just like them love all it so much. i do like them
0: all i do too even the ones people yeah. argue about that bj was bringing up like like there's bands i like like yes and there's like 18 different versions of yes and some people are like i hate the 90125 yes i you know Trevor raven i hated that stuff that 80s stuff but i liked this one i liked drama i liked that one and there's something about all of this that is tied together um, that still, to me, seems to retain that original vision that we find a way to uh, learn to work things out in almost any difficult situation. And racism, you know, you, you brought that up um, earlier, uh, BJ, I think that it was that's one of the biggest topics of the show, wouldn't you say, Is we we run into a culture that's different from ours and we have to find a way either to respect them, to negotiate with them, uh, to trick them, <laughs> or to keep them from tricking us or killing us. Or, uh, and, and in the process of this, what fascinates me about uh, so many episodes is it's human nature we're exploring, even though we're putting it on, you know, alien uh, costumes.
1: Definitely. Definitely, it's a lot easier to uh, tackle tough issues if it's blue and green people as opposed to people that look like us. And uh, and that was, I think, I think Gene said that. He goes, "You want to know my politics? Watch the show." He, he, from what I understand, he was never somebody that really came out and spoke politically. He just let the show do the talking. And that's what, like Amy said, that's what great science fiction does. It really does make you look at your world in a not so uh, uh, you know, confrontational way towards you. You can look at it and realize, all right, no one's attacking me. So now I can be calm and be reasonable and take a look at these ideas and concepts and go, Oh, you know, I can apply these to the real world. And that's what great sci-fi does.
2: Yeah. And that's Jamie, one of I, the, yeah, go ahead. Go, go, well, I go was going to say, that's kind of one of the chief complaints that I think a lot of people have with the the newer versions um especially something like discovery you know you hear people saying all the time like oh it's so woke and it's like well star trek always has been the difference is that um like older versions of star trek were much more subtle in their storytelling, whereas I feel like discovery really just kind of hits you over the head with it and doesn't allow people to kind of come to their own conclusions. Um, And so I think that's what people are pushing back on and not realizing that it's always told these stories. You know, we just discovered it ourselves instead of being told.
0: I think, by the way, that's very interesting because we're we're told so much now that we're all kind of placed in categories by the narratives that are in the news. And so we're, we're, the audience is different. We're coming from a different place than we were when I was 11 years old watching my, you know, watching Spock with my father. So I was a very insecure kid. Um, I also was, um, uh, well, we had a, you know, we had a lot of yelling in our household. We were a typical 50s, 50s dad who had to work too many jobs, mom juggling eight kids, and, um, and and they had come from, you know, parents of a different era also. So, so I was uh, just happy to sit down with dad and watch, and I remember watching Spock with his logic, and I remember thinking, I want to be like that i don't want to be manipulated by human emotions cuz you know spock was struggling between being human and and be, being vulcan which was all science and all logic and, and and i remember thinking that uh this is uh this is a great mentor this guy spock so i actually started using you know spockisms in my defenses against <laughs> bullies at school, <laughs> you know, almost every life situation at that young age, 14, 15, I was a very uh, messed up kid. And uh, I spoke to a, a friend of ours, brain scientist, John Medina. He actually said that that early spot character was one of the first, um, one of the first, uh, show business characters, Uh, A strong character that in some way represented people on the spectrum of autism a little bit because his inability to be human was, uh, you know, a bit towards that spectrum and that he actually helped a lot of people, which seems interesting.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a great observation, um, which is interesting where... I think another complaint that Star Trek Discovery has is that it's a very emotional show. And that's when you think about where they were in 1966 and the level of emotion that would be shown compared to where we are in 2023. And I would argue this with anybody that the last season of Star Trek Discovery might be one of the best Star Trek seasons there has ever been because of what they did. I swear they, they were watching Brene Brown's Axis of Love special and reading her book as they came up with this storyline because of they found her in alien race to communicate with and they had to communicate with the alien race via emotion. It was like, they, they couldn't just use words, they, they just didn't work that way. And Antonio Damasio is a great neurologist that uh, Brené Brown quoted that said that humans think that they're just thinking machines that sometimes feel, but he said, no, we're feeling machines that sometimes think and that emotions really are important for our our, our way of interacting with each other. And that whole season was about that. And a lot of my friends that I grew up with watching that show who aren't very much in touch with their emotions, and a lot of them happen to be heterosexual males, they just don't like that. And it's like, but that's where Star Trek is going boldly. They're going emotionally boldly where no Star Trek has gone before. Brilliant season. And um, it's doing like Amy said, it's what Star Trek has always done. They're like, what needs to be talked about? We're going to do it. And, uh, I just loved that last season. And most people look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, no, I, I you know, I think Michelle Paradise and that whole crew is genius. I think Sinequa Martin-Green is terrific. And if we do ever have real aliens that land on this planet, if you've ever seen an interview with her, I want her to speak for the world because she's an amazing speaker. Um, and it just, it kind of bothers me that the show gets panned the way it is. But then I remember that almost every Star Trek show seems to get panned by the current people and then gets appreciated later.
0: Yes. By the way, um, uh, I'll go to Amy next, but I'll say everyone who's successful gets panned, by the way, Elon Musk gets destroyed. He's the richest man in the world and he's doing more for global warming than anybody. He's going to put us in space. He's a bit of an asshole, probably uh, Steve Jobs was, but I still use my iPhone. Um Here's something about Star Trek. Uh, and I just did a quick Wikipedia. It's one of the highest grossing, most successful media franchises of all time. It's made more money. And and you know, you don't get all of these shows, all of these spin-offs, all these motion pictures, all and and recently in Las Vegas, you know, Amy and I were at the Star Trek convention, and it's I mean People show up, not just in costume, people show up, they are aliens, they are not in costume, that is <laughs> very convincing, and and as we talk about this, I'm trying to imagine our audience, because we probably have some people uh, like me who watch the original series in Star Trek Next Generation, and to them, that's their world of Star Trek, because then you would be busy raising their families and, you know. They they didn't get into gaming and all the stuff that modern people are into. And then there's people uh, watching the new series and some like you and me, BJ, who've, well, you've, you've probably never, never left, but I came back to a discovery and Picard and brave new worlds. What a great, what a great show. Um, But each one of them, when you watch them, it's not the same. So it's not the same as the series that you, you know, you you, you, you you have your favorite series, but you got to you got to invest a little into it. Uh, so I'm going to ask Amy next, which series for an old fart like me would be the most interesting if I hadn't stayed with the franchise?
2: Oh, wow. Well, I would definitely say if you hadn't stayed, I would definitely jump in with Strange New Worlds because i think that that is it has enough of the the characters and the relationships um and if you can get past the musical episode (laughs) 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 um then i think that you would really would Mm. really love it um yeah and and,
0: it brings you back to the original cast It brings you back to, you know that. uh, I mean, you know Captain Pike is headed for trouble, and then and then they introduce Captain Kirk. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: right, yeah, very. Oh my gosh! And then that scene where where Kirk, Spock, and Uhura were sitting in uh, the ten forward, and I was like, oh, this is their origin story. Uh, That was very exciting.
1: DJ, same? Yeah, I have to say if you're if you're somebody that used to watch the old show, and I it look, it's it's if you're if it's an old fart like you, which is a heterosexual white dude who's old, yeah, that's a that's a really good show to go to and not be afraid if all of a sudden all the important people are female, which is also another thing that I fight with my oh, friends yeah. about that they don't want to admit. Wow. But, like, if you watch Star Trek Discovery, anybody who's anybody, including the protagonist, the antagonists, and anybody that's a, a person of import, they're female, and... I know the men are just like, this doesn't seem right. And it's like, yeah, well, you were happy when it was the other way around. And nobody important was anything but a dude. And I always say to them, I go, but I don't care what anybody is, who anybody is. It's a good story with good writing and good acting. I don't care. You put Michelle Yeoh on a show, I am going to watch it because Michelle Yo's fantastic. That we've been, so yeah, but if you are like, an old person, Bob, but you don't have to stereotype. I think Amy's right. I think uh, a strange new world is uh, a great, plus it's episodic. So you, you can miss a couple episodes here and there and you're not going to be lost. Uh, it has spot. That in was there helpful is, to
0: us old folks, because when an episode of I love Lucy came on, it might be the only one that I saw for a few weeks. And I didn't, I didn't need to have Ethel, you know, holding me off with something that was going to happen. In the in then in the we used to watch TV. Every episode was self-contained. It was, Uh, And and now, by the way, uh, let's talk about that. Uh, Why is it not that way now? Is it because. uh, We have to. um, Well, it's because of streaming, we have to get you to binge. Does the average person watch one show? I know I never do. I might watch one and a half might watch two. Is that is that part of why everything's connected now?
1: You know, uh, what I remember, um, and I don't know what show started this. Um, it might've been Kung Fu in 1972 because it did have a story arc, um, where, where he was looking for his brother. And so it was a loose, but they were shown out of order because they, that's why they never wanted to have non-self-contained shows because they didn't know when they put them in order. Uh, a show called Firefly was horribly ruined by Fox for that reason. Um, and but I think Deep Space Nine went against the grain and the showrunners were really not happy about it. But it turned out to be very successful when they did introduce this story arc uh, with the founders and the changelings. Um, and that changed everything. At least, I mean, Amy, I think that's where we, we got to see, OK, let's story arc it because of the success of Deep Space Nine.
2: Right, right. Um, Well, and it's interesting too, because you, like I've been listening to the um, Delta Flyers podcast with um, the Voyager podcast, and uh, they, the actors talk about the fact that as they're watching, like rewatching these shows, and, and uh, for Robert Duncan McNeil, like seeing them for the first time, a lot of the episodes, that there's some uh, moments that he's like, oh, I wish we could have carried that forward, but they just didn't do it. Everything was ship in a bottle, episodic, um, and it didn't, you know, even in um, Enterprise we really didn't get until third season with the Zindi, like that became a complete seasonal arc. Um, And uh, a lot of people didn't like that because again, same thing. It's like, if you miss an episode, then you are lost in the storyline. For me personally, I love that kind of storytelling. So I was all for it.
0: Amy and I were recently at the Star Trek uh, convention here in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, Jealous. I, I was c- curious about it. Um, and, and I can't remember how we connected that you were coming down here. Um, we visited. We had a nice lunch. Uh, but I wandered around a bit by myself and was uh, struck by a couple of things. Uh, of course, I wanted to see the stars. I mean, I got myself photographed with Jonathan Frakes. I um, I went to the keynote if you will call it, speech by William Shatner. Uh, but I also popped in on these little discussion sessions and um, you know, there would be a discussion session where up the people up there were the designers of the ships. They were the keepers of the canon of, uh, you know, to some extent, even though these are different shows and, and people have their favorite ones with different kinds of characters and scripts. But it all has to somehow historically connect to the same timeline, kind of like Lord of the Rings. You know, it all has to be part of this universe. And listening to them discuss, uh, because of course some of the some of the older flashback stuff is made with much newer technology. I mean, I swear they used pie tins as flying saucers in the the original Star Trek. Um, But they still have to find a way to stay true. Like, uh, like uh, you know, Strange New Worlds, Brave New Worlds. Strange or Brave? What is it?
1: It's strange. Brave New strange. World is that, Aldous. <clears throat> Aldous has to did to the f- Brave
0: New World, which is great, too. <laughs> it has to feel like the same era ship. I don't know how you would do this designing a car, even though it's much, much more um, modern. And you get into the subtleties of this, and there's, there's a crowd sometimes of hundreds of people taking notes and, and wanting to know about the science. Uh, Amy, you follow this probably the most of all three of us. Uh, what's um, what's going on there? Is it, uh, is it um, deep uh, design? Uh, it, it's just something very strange about it to me.
2: Well, it's interesting because when you go to the Enterprise in strange new worlds and are walking around this opulent ship, and then, you know, you think about what it's going to be in just a few years when Kirk takes over, and it's like, oh, we used to have this amazing, like like bridge and, and 10 forward and which I don't think they called it 10 forward. They did on enterprise, but I mean, um, next gen, but it's like, like what happened to our ship? Um, so yeah, but, but from the perspective of, even if we're talking about continuity, like it would be, nobody would watch it if, if, we were using the same technology that they were using in the sixties when they created this show. So the, the people who want it to be the same, they don't, they think they do, but they don't. Because as soon as, as soon as they put something out that looks like it was made in the sixties, they'd be like, mm, turn the channel. So, um, yeah, but, so but there, then as there's far the illusion.
0: as. That they're connected, it's like an illusion that they're connected, right? right? And they do, and they do it. I mean, it's it's somewhat convincing to me. I mean, it, it, to watch any science fiction, of course, you have to suspend your disbelief, um, and and so that's their job, really, is right to seduce us with something close enough but still eye popping and uh, and fun to watch. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But then when All you right, were talking about about canon. Um, you know, you've got the people who are are very upset about the Kelvin timeline with the the movies. And um so, so then you know, you, uh, and say
0: say more for those that don't know what that means, the Kelvin timeline.
2: Oh, so that was the, was it the 2009? Is that when the yeah the J, yeah the JJ
0: verse
1: all the the JJ Abrams movies are considered JJ Abrams timeline? Moved. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, he took some liberties. I take. Well, he it created an alternative like, timeline. Is what yeah. basically what happened? Okay, so that different things happened to Kirk and Spock, and you know that way they could tell a new story about the old crew with them being young that hasn't already been told, but. You see, but it, like none of us knew what was happening because being an alternative timeline, things were changed because of a random set of events, created a whole new bunch of things that didn't happen as we remember in the prime timeline, which
0: got
1: it, got it. Oh, it's a, you know, <laughs> to quote, Dr. Who it's all timey, whimey and wibbly wobbly. <laughs> we should try to figure it all out.
0: <laughs> uh, so it's something else for fans to argue about it, Amy, but when we were talking before the show, you, yeah. I think we uh, alluded to fans debating different eras and BJ, you and I have talked about the same thing. Um, is it, it's tied together, but there, but there are fans who only like certain parts.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a fine line between somebody that wants to really preserve canon and gatekeep. It's a fine line when it comes to an attitude and a tone. And, you know, I love it that, you know, my wife and my daughter were not big fans of Star Trek. and, And J.J.'s movies, they both liked to the point where now they're used to the ships looking amazing and they're used to great quality and great production. And like Amy said I don't think my wife would watch uh, Strange New Worlds she just wouldn't do it if it looked like Star Trek the original series so I'm happy what JJ I'm happy for what JJ did because the essence of Star Trek is there they're just putting it in a way that is palatable for people of today because it's not 1966 <laughs> So it's like you know it's like you can't be presenting people something from this is kind of why a guy like me I'm not a big Shakespeare fan, but you show me Sons of Anarchy, which is Shakespeare on motorcycles. I'll watch that. You know, it's just, (laughs) it's it's presented to me.
0: Um, Amy, everything comes from Shakespeare, right? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. (laughs) Um, And so, all right, we, in our, in our final section here, what should we do? Should we tell a little bit of a story about how BJ and I met and how it led to um, a, a good friendship and then how it led indirectly to us competing for which one of us would get to go with Amy to be on the show. I'll let you start, BJ. Uh,
1: Yeah. Uh, Is it a story or is it a theft? I mean, to me, (laughs) it is the (laughs) ultimate theft. Uh, You know, using, oh, sure, you had uh, better ratings and much more popular shows. So, of course, you get the wonderful opportunity to actually be on Star Trek Enterprise. And get to go hang with Amy. Could have been me hanging with Amy. We would have had a good time, but
0: no, you stole it from me. Ah, uh, you potato. You know the the logical <laughs> side of me that knows that you're right, by the way. Um yeah, the, well, the uh yeah. yeah. The op- the opportunity came up to pitch this business from uh it was CBS at the time or Paramount, I can't remember. And you know, we just I said, "Well, I would like to be on Star Trek." And then BJ, I think you called me. You were like, "We're up for the same thing." I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to get it. And <laughs> yeah. um uh, but, no. but I'll prequel. How about the prequel to that is you and I met around 1990. We've yeah. known each other about 34, 35 years at an event called morning show bootcamp where morning shows used to go. It was a basically training seminar, kind of a combination of Harvard and a support group uh, where morning shows taught each other, um, you know, and influenced each other and still exists uh, to this day. And BJ and I show up there and we had, in some ways, we opposites and in some ways we identical, like brothers. And everyone at this convention was, you know, partying and drinking at night and going to um, uh, Amy, they call them gentlemen's clubs in Atlanta. I have no <laughs> idea why the word gentleman is used. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. And th- there was one night that your show was going to a gentleman's club and i think my guys were going too and you and i were like which this is even funnier when you think of what we did later in uh, new orleans but you and i are like i don't know why would i want to do that and there was a new star trek movie premiering what year would that be that would be early 90s and we said let's go to the star trek movie so we were the dorks of the convention and um And, you know, later when we would talk about Star Trek and BJ ended up moving, this is before you moved to Seattle, I ended up moving to Seattle. Even though we were direct competitors, we stayed really good friends throughout the entire, whatever it is, 20-something, 25 years. And so, Amy, when this came up, this was, you know, these are brothers going after the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this was... uh this was not pretty <laughs> <laughs> It was not pretty we each had to do presentations and uh and um of course the competitive uh bj talks about ratings we were very close in the ratings uh but at that point i think we were a little bit uh ahead in the end bj took over as number one 2554 and by the way you still are number one 2554 at least in men category right on your show,
1: yeah, uh, but you know what? I still am not. I am not on Star Trek. Any show? That's okay. You take your <laughs> take your ratings and put them wherever. Put, put it it in space. All, yes. you, Shove it all. I wanted to do that. Show. I don't care about any of that. I was right. robbed.
0: So, <laughs> I, so we, we have this context. Yes. Well, you know the important
1: part that I, I was an opportunist because you were very, very successful and I wasn't very successful. So the opportunity, yes. do I want to go pay some woman a ridiculous amount of dollar bills or do I want to further my career to go hang out with one of the most like successful guys in the business who happens to be interested in the same thing I am. I'm like, oh, yes, I'll go to the Star Trek movie because I'd already seen it. But I'm like, I'll see it again with you, buddy, just to be your pal. So I, I really was so an
0: opportunist. You really did want to go to the strip club. That was a whole, uh, that was virtue signaling.
1: Well, But I wanted a career. So listen, the the strip (laughs) club is temporary. The (laughs) career is permanent.
0: So I went for the career. (laughs) All right, let's come back around to Amy's part of the story. So I didn't know what to do uh, specifically, but I, I recall we did some kind of a, you know, we were looking for the biggest Star Trek fan contest. Amy, do you remember your entry?
2: Oh my gosh, Yes. Yes, so I didn't know about the contest the first week that it ran. Second week, because then when I watched the, I had taped the show and when I taped it and I saw the commercial, I'm like, what, how did I not know about this? And so then the second week that it ran, I'm feverishly taking notes and I, from school, I'm trying to call in on my cell phone. And then the third week, I'm like, okay, this is the last opportunity that I have. Um, I called in sick (laughs) and stayed home. I was dialing in on both my landline and my cell phone at the same time. Um, I finally got picked up on my landline and um, there were, I don't know how many people ahead of me that were answering and the people were getting very, very close to the right answer. I had taken notes so i knew the right answer and so when i got on i like shouted out the answer and um it was correct and so then i had to upload my little i don't know 100 word or 50 word story and a video just getting
0: through and being correct only got you a chance
2: right a chance one of six one of six yeah and so i remember spike on the radio was saying like this is not fair for the people who are are doing this or qualifying today because we had to have our little story we had to have the video and bob i remember you saying anybody that wants this already has that done and indeed I had it done and I had, I uploaded everything, went back to school, went into my principal's office because I was like, ooh, I need to tell him what I did (laughs) because. I was just on the radio, and so I let him know that um, the voting was opening up. I believe at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. that day. So he got on the intercom and announced to the entire school to vote for me. And um, then as I'm I'm walking because I was a drama English and drama teacher at the time. I was walking from the main building to the um, performing arts center, and I had kids like hanging out the window. Miss Ulan, I voted for you, and and they were telling me that they like messaged all their family and friends to vote. And I guess within you know like hours, I had a lot of votes because my principal went online and or announced. To the entire school student body,
0: wow, that's amazing. Uh, some of that, some of that, I never knew. And um, and Amy, obviously, we got the right person. Just except that they picked me instead of BJ, but you are yeah, the you right got person. One
1: of the, yeah, one <clears throat> of the right
0: people. You're right. That I will. Agree now, with. let's segue to the trip because we go to the uh, we go we get flown to Los Angeles. We get fitted for costumes. As I recall, we both had like little injuries where they had to put a scar on our head or something like that. Do you remember that? Yeah. You and I were both yep. engineers, right? Yep. Do you remember yeah. the specific episode at all?
2: I do. It was Zero Hour, the final episode of season three of Enterprise. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's Can right. we talk about my traumatic experience with the costume? Please do. I do not have the body of someone who apparently survives into the <laughs> into the future. Now, but I will say this is another reason why I love Discovery and I love the character of Tilly because we have more similarities in our body composition. And so um, it just makes my heart happy that, that those of us that are a little chunky make it into the future. Um, <laughs> but with with the, the costume, because I could not fit into any of the female costumes, they put me into a male costume, and even that was a bit of a struggle. So they had to take a season one um, costume and like tailor it just for me. And so I don't know if you remember, but like we got taken to the commissary and there was like food and I didn't eat anything all Can't day. No. <laughs> I was wow. like,
0: <laughs> you know, I have oh, a similar man. I have a similar experience in that um the costume was tied on me too, Amy. We're all just <laughs> normal people. But um uh, but also uh, Aside from the costume being tight on me, a couple of people made remarks that made me feel um, like I shouldn't be there. Uh, they said, well, We never have anyone on the show with gray hair. So apparently, even though Star Trek is all inclusive, people don't racially,
2: make it <laughs> <laughs> No,
0: uh, uh, they all use, you know, hair dye, even when, because there's older people on the show, but. They uh you know they aren't Santa Claus hair of color like me. And that that was interesting. And also just uh say a little more about the the set. How cool to be on a set and to see a bridge, but it's half open, and to see a hallway and you know, to realize, I mean, I know it's dumb. Of course I know these are sets, but to actually be on the set and in the, you know, and and, and walking through the hallways with and we were random, so we were just, uh, you know, walk-ons. But um, to see the construction of parts of the ship.
2: So um, one of the amazing things was I did not realize that on the the set, so the bridge, I just assumed that it was going to be open. But no, it was like a DeLorean car um, door that would like, raise up the whole, like, front of the bridge section, and then it would lower down, and the entire, like, bridge was enclosed. Yeah. And then the cameras, like, I have no idea where the cameras were, because I remember in, like, one of our scenes, you're working on a console, and I come walking behind you, and, you know, I go to another touchscreen. Like, there were no people holding cameras, which is what I guess I would have expected. They were all built into the set. And so it was so easy to like immerse myself into the story, believing that I was there because I didn't see cameras.
0: Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that makes it easier for the actors. Interesting. Um, All right. Let's bring it around. We've talked about Shakespeare. We've talked about the philosophy of Star Trek. We've talked about it being one of the biggest franchises of entertainment in the history of all entertainment, and it really is. Uh, And then we've talked about how individual fans, you know, each like certain parts of it. And now we live in a time now of streaming television where mostly our TV is on demand. You don't go to you know cbs to watch la law or um you know a, a, any weekly drama series or anything they don't exist anymore it's all game shows uh so television's entered this new age where we can on demand explore new worlds and go to the channels we haven't gone before sorry about my frogged up throat it strikes me that part of uh, part of what we're doing tonight of course is we're we're all big fans But we're telling you that there's a lot to explore there if you want to go deeper into, like, Lisa and I are watching Suits right now, just because it has Meghan Markle in it, and it's an interesting lawyer show, but it's nothing compared to these Star Trek franchises, and uh, it'd be a good time to start binge-watching, wouldn't you think? There's a lot of great,
1: and, and look, we're talking about Star Trek, but what a great time to be a science fiction fan because of all the choices you have with Apple TV+, Plus, Netflix, Prime. I mean, everybody is really wanting, I never thought I'd ever see uh, Isaac Asimov's foundation ever on the screen. And I, you know, I really am, I'm, I'm very happy with what they've done with that. And so, yeah, Bob, I mean, there's so much out there. And Star Trek definitely gets, I think, they they get the credit for it because they really show that sci-fi fans, if you give them something really good, they will watch it. They call us uh, creative obsessives, which is another name for geeks. We spend more on our fan stuff than any other fan of any other thing. So, you know, it's it's a good time to be a fan of sci-fi fantasy for that reason. Lots of great stuff out there, to your point. You can binge. Oh, I'm so envious of people that get to binge Star Trek and have never seen it oh man, it's like, what a treat. You, you're It might take you a year if you want to do a show a night or a couple of shows a night, a year to do all of it, maybe even more. And that's, to me, that's Nirvana
0: right there. Amy.
2: Yeah. That's what my niece is doing. So Bob, you met oh, my niece man. at, at yeah, the yeah. convention and um, she uh, grew up I mean, with me, so she has seen a lot of Enterprise. She didn't watch all of it. I mean, not Enterprise, um, Next Generation. She didn't watch all of it uh, with me, but had seen quite a few episodes. And, um, so then she got, is really into discovery, loves discovery and, um, strange new worlds and Picard. And so now she was like. You know, because she felt like at that convention, she was like, she knows a little bit, but she wants to learn more now because especially she lives in Vegas now. So now we are going to go to all the conventions together.
0: Sure, I'll <laughs> see you at the next one. How yeah. often do they have them? Pretty every, It's every year, right?
2: Every year. Every year. Yeah. yeah. They used to have a lot more like around the country, Um, but She is, she started watching Enterprise and is just continuing on. She found some website that kind of talked about the chronological order. So she's watching, um, the story in chronological order. And, and so I'm very, very excited for her.
0: And I think, uh, to wrap this up, um, the, um, the message that we started with that there's so much you can learn from these shows about conflict, conflict resolution, um, being open-minded uh, about people that are different from you. And, you know, and I got it as a kid, just admiring Spock. And I have to say this about Kirk. I watched William Shatner at the convention do one hour off the top of his head. Were you there, Amy?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I, and- I, have, I wasn't in that, Session with him, but I've seen him before. So,
0: you've seen him do this, and yeah, uh, it's nothing like what you would expect. He was off the top of his head in 18 different ways, and a truly brilliant philosopher and playing with his audience about his own. Here's this guy, he's in the 90s now, still doing conventions, still believing in what he did, and went up in space. I'm not sure I, would I was going
2: go to space
0: <clears throat> for real. So. Yeah, there's so so much to admire and so much to learn, and this has been our pop-up podcast about Star Trek with me, Bob Rivers, BJ Shea, and Amy, you, oh, I feel so blessed that you got picked and continued uh, to stay in this universe, and, uh, you know, and of course, you're a school teacher, so that makes you an angel.
2: Yeah. Well, and I have to say before we go, just a huge thank you for the opportunity, because um, it really was a life-changing opportunity for me. I got to write for Star Trek.com covering the Pacific Northwest activities. I ended up um, being uh, in charge of celebrity at several conventions, um, being on Star Trek of Gods and Men. Uh, being part of Walter Koenig's star ceremony. So it's like it led to a lot of experiences that I never would have had. Um, so a huge thank you to you.
0: Uh, now let's see if we can do uh I can't do this. Yeah, I'll let you guys do it. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Shea, Amy Ulan and Bob Rivers here. Thank you so much for visiting us on the podcast.